Assalamualaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to another edition of Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. And we are streaming at WCEV1450.com. Now, for those of you who are new to the Radio Islam family, this is your first time tuning in. You can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. And you can subscribe to the podcast. Who is that calling in the middle of my intro? It's okay. You can still subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours at. So if that's iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or Google Play, you'll find us at Radio Islam USA. That is at Radio Islam USA. All right, family, today our guest, we are joined in studio by Jen Walling. Uh, she has served as the executive director of the Illinois Environmental Council since 2011. And we're going to talk all things environment today. <laughs> so welcome to Radio Islam. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So tell us, uh, this is one of those areas. Um, it's, you know, the environment is something that we all benefit from. Mm-hmm. All right? We all depend upon but we don't always take notice of it. Uh, particularly, it's, it's normally when there's a real problem that we pay attention. Can you tell us a bit, first of all, just what, what's your pathway into this particular field of, of, of environmental activism and advocacy? <laughs> sure. So I think, um, you know, I'm somebody that really cares about public service and, and charity and making a difference. And I feel like I have been interested in environmental issues since I was pretty young. Um, I mean, some of it started with recycling, but um, just thinking about the way that the actions that we take impact other people. um, And, you know, we may be benefiting from something that is hurting someone else. So really, that's the whole philosophy to what I think about. Um, And so in the work that we do, we're doing a lot on water and energy issues and things that um working to prevent pollution and and protect public health protect wildlife all of that but um you know i volunteered on environmental issues even in high school um and then college i have a a bachelor's and master's in environmental science Mm -hmm. and um i also got a law degree but uh you know i kind of got into it because um when i started college I thought, uh, you know, I don't really want to go after the bad guys that are polluting, and I, I think I can do that as a lawyer. Right. Uh, and then I began to realize that environmental law takes a really long time. And so it turned out that lobbying and advocacy um, was something that I'm not a very patient person. I don't like waiting for results, <laughs> even though I have to do it all the time. Yeah. But I was not patient enough for a lawsuit. So, you know, we work a lot on passing legislation that will do the right thing for the environment. So that advocacy, uh, and that has a direct relation to, to policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you find that it's more effective to spend time uh, in advocating and drafting, um, I guess, potential legislation uh, as opposed to waiting for those who are, who are sitting there to come up with it on their own. Yeah, well, and I, you know, with, with law especially, um, you know, I remember I worked for Environmental Law and Policy Center, which is a great organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I worked there for a year right out of law school. But I had a friend who was working there, and she had worked for at least five years on this case that had to do with forests in Michigan. And she won the case, 
But she didn't win the case because the trees shouldn't be cut down. She won the case on some notice violation that the company didn't do the right thing. And so it had a good result. But to me, you know, it's those trees shouldn't be cut down. That's old growth forest. That's habitat. Um, But with with advocacy, we can really make that case to legislators that you need to vote the way that we'd like because this is the right thing to do. And this is the thing that your constituents want you to do because it's important to people. When it comes to, because I think that's a really interesting point to see that a victory was made on the the letter of the law, mm-hmm. right? Had very little to do with the value that we all that we should place on the environment. Uh, do you find that it is difficult to get people to to care um, when when it comes to uh, environmental issues? Um, I think that it can go either way because. There's sometimes that I'm directed to do the work that we do because there are so many people that care and I have a need. I might not have funding to do it, but I need to to move. So, you know, for example, this crisis that has happened in Flint, Michigan, I think we just all watch it and we're horrified. Um, But it really has opened this window of people who really care about addressing lead issues And so we worked and passed at the beginning of 2017 a law that requires every school and every child care in Illinois to test for lead um, and then fix the issue if there's uh, lead in the drinking water. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with an issue like that, with lots of support and lots of people willing to weigh in on it, um, you know, there's other things that are important to us that it's really hard to get people and you, you have to have a story behind it can't just be like, oh, we really think this group should have legal standing because nobody understands that. So, right. um, but, you know, uh, we do find there's some really solid supporters and volunteers. And in the last couple of years, I think everybody who's doing advocacy has seen an increase and we've seen the same. Uh, would you say that there that it is driven more by volunteers um, as a po- just because of the, the, the breadth of uh, you know of, of environmental issues that we have mm-hmm. um, and when it comes to funding you know so many of these so many of the agencies that are that have taken this on as a responsibility are underfunded you know they're they're overworked and uh, so volunteers become a critical part would you say across the board that 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 the the role of volunteers is, is essential in um, you know in, in being a part of the advocacy well, absolutely. I think there are um, volunteer opportunities in just the work that we do in general, but definitely you have such a crucial role as um, as somebody who can make a difference as a constituent in connecting with your lawmakers about these issues. And no matter where you are, building that relationship with the elected officials that represent you and making sure they know how you feel about an issue and organizing your neighbors to do that is is something that really makes an impact and I think um, you know we've seen what happens when we don't do that and what the very severe consequences can be not just to the environment but but people's lives so just that that organizing on an issue that can translate into elections that can translate into leadership very important yeah so tell us a bit about the the history of the uh, Illinois Environmental um, Council Church. So we were formed in 1975, so uh, the organization's 43 years old right now, and we were actually formed by other environmental organizations, so the Sierra Club, the Isaac Walton League, um, uh, 
Audubon Society, all of these groups that were around in 1975, they got together and they realized that we kept losing in Springfield and we kept losing because we didn't have one consistent voice that was there to represent everybody. And so they formed the Illinois Environmental Council. And today we have over 80 organizational members um, and they're anything from you know, small neighborhood environmental groups to national groups that are located here in Chicago. Um, and they're located all over Illinois. We've got Metro East. We've got far southern Illinois. Um, so uh, those those are the groups that we've represented. And, and today, you know, there's some more capacity than there was in 1975. So there are groups like Environmental Law and Policy Center that have lobbyists or Sierra Club has lobbyists. But we're able to make sure everybody's coordinated and I would say if you want to make a difference on an issue, having that coalition and working together, yeah. uh, really important. That's why it's there, because otherwise the people who are against you, they can divide you up. Mm. They can um, you know, just really work on undefeating uh, you because one person says one thing, one person says another. Um, so sticking together in that coalition has been very powerful for us. All right. You know, an organization that's 43 years old has seen a lot of changes uh, particularly when it comes to uh, the the ability to bring people together and to communicate, and now that we're in this era of social media, uh, has that played uh, has that played uh, any role in your ability to uh, to make sure that there's a, a connectedness? Uh, is that a part of um, IEC? Absolutely. So you know, I think even in terms of uh, this is not quite our message, but. You know, I talked to our previous executive directors that did work in the 70s and 80s, and when they would do work in the state legislature, you know, there was no online system where you looked for hearings. You had to go to this one bulletin board in this one place where they could just post a hearing at a moment's notice. And if you wanted a copy of the bill, you had to go to the journal room and print it. Mm. Um, and, you know, today I can be really lazy and just watch the um, – video of a committee hearing from my office across the street, right? (laughs) Right, right. So that has fundamentally changed our work and I think given a lot more transparency to what the state legislature is doing. But um, when it comes to social media, I can find that there's things that are hit and miss. There's things that I think are awesome about the way that we're communicating over the internet and there's things that I worry about because we definitely are able to send out weekly newsletters and people are a lot better informed. But I think that Um, sometimes people substitute sharing or liking something for taking action on an issue and they don't understand. Mm, And just a a concrete example, we shared this item. We have a forum email generator that you fill out your name and address and it sends to write your legislator. Mm -hmm. And we shared a post on Facebook and it had like over 30 shares that people shared it with their friends, said take action. And we went back and we looked and there were maybe seven people that actually took action on it. So they went to the step of telling their friends to do something they hadn't even done yet. And so I think we have to, um, it's a great tool, but we also have to look at it with caution. You know, as you mentioned that, I'm thinking how many times I've seen posts like that, Mm -hmm. particularly with with a take action, you know, call your representative, call your legislator. uh, And maybe that ought to be at at the top of it, right? Don't share this until you have called, until until you have have done whatever the action item is. yeah, because um, we we have we have enough of those that come out of out of either through Sound Vision or uh, Burma Task Force or, or other organizations, you know, CIGC. Uh, but yeah, that's I think that's probably a problem across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what is the 
um, when you talk about co the uh, coalitions, um, and I'm looking at environmental advocacy, and there's this, uh, there's a convergence of, of interest now when we talk about environmental justice. Uh, can you talk a bit how these things have come together and the types of, um, the, the, the coalition that has come, I guess, because this is maybe this is a new coalition now. Uh, could you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I think that when you look back at the environmental community and the history that we've had, I think we need to change how we behave because, you know, I, I think that a lot of 70s, 80s, 90s came out of wealthy white communities that didn't want items in their backyard. Right. And if it didn't go in their backyard, it went somewhere else. And too often it went into the same community's backyards over and over and over. And um, you have communities in Chicago that are a donut of toxicity. And yeah. um, we have not devoted enough resources to it. And that's something that we're highly focused on in the work we do now. Um, we work a lot with Little Village Environmental Justice Organization, which is Little Village, but they're doing nation-leading work on environmental justice. And um, there's a number of frontline communities work with People for Community Recovery, Southeast Environmental Task Force, that are really doing important neighborhood work. And we want to figure out ways to support more of that community work. Mm -hmm. um, I think we need to, when we're issuing a permit, look at the cumulative impact of that permit that we're putting in. So if we put this in, are there six other facilities that are doing the same thing right next to a school? You know, that, that happens all the time. Right. Uh, and I think beyond the permits, um, and this really credit has to go to Little Village Environmental Justice Organization, we passed a really important bill on climate change, the Future Energy Jobs Act, and um, you know, we can talk more about what's in it later, but what is nation-leading in that bill is the programs that are in it for um, low-income people. So there's um, energy efficiency uh, portions that are increased for low-income people, but there's this new program called um, Illinois Solar for All that uh, they're just hiring a program administrator to start in six months, mm -hmm. but it'll bring the benefit of solar to um, people who are low-income, who can't afford it at all. Uh, and also as part of it, there's a lot of job training. And in fact, 2,000 of the jobs uh, have a goal of being for returning citizens or foster care alumni. Awesome. Um, and we're also working to make sure you know, if you're a solar installer, you may say, I don't want to hire a felon because they're going to somebody's house. But you need to look at it from a justice capacity of, you know, we need to make sure that um, anybody has a chance to get these jobs and the best qualified people, you know, get them and that we um, we train people and then have jobs for them afterward. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, this is not just about pollution. It's about creating an economy that works for everybody. Yeah. And that's that's our goal. Yeah, that that that's awesome. Um, when you talk about nation leading work, and uh, for me, I guess by extension, the the leading is in establishing a model that mm -hmm. others can follow. Um, is that recognition, or is that, uh, is that is that recognition that is always? How should I say? Is it recognized by others around the nation that this is something that we should all also be doing? Oh, for sure. I think especially with the solar for all, I mean, not enough because yeah. there are obviously states that are not going to go in the right direction. But I think a number of states are looking at the model that we've put together, especially for the solar for all program, the job training work. 
and saying, how can we copy that? Mm. And how can we bring that here? Um, and I think, you know, it was such when we passed the um, that energy bill, it was a month after the 2016 election. Mm. So it was really nice to be heading into a direction where we were going to tackle climate change and we were going to help provide jobs for people that need them in communities that have been ignored. Uh, and I think that was... Um, really important for everybody's spirit after after the 2016 election so how, how much has the uh the new administration's uh policies and stance on because there's been a lot of uh, just a uh, just an unraveling of environmental uh policies within you know within the epa uh, how much has that affected the work uh that that you all have been doing well i think that it's all of it's very concerning because when a lot of a lot of state environmental laws are tied to federal environmental laws, so if they roll it back, we automatically roll it back. Right. Um, we haven't seen the budget cuts that we thought we were going to have, but I think that in Illinois, for the most part, we've headed in, continued to head in the right direction. We've continued to talk about how we're going to tackle climate change, but I think um, you know. With this administration, too, the, um, with the state administration, the Rauner administration, compared to the Trump administration, I'm also worried there's a look at agencies and a, oh, we're not going to fund them, we're not going to hire people, and then we're going to say it's broken and it doesn't work, so we shouldn't have it anymore. Right. And I think that's what's going to happen more and more at the federal level. We, you know, The IEPA, um, I don't know where they're at now, but in May there were around 630 employees and uh, I think it's 2002, they had 1,280. So the employees Whoa. there have been cut in half. And even since um, the With the same workload. Same workload, yeah. And even from the previous administration, they've lost about 300 people um, in five years. And, uh, you know, we really need to, to hire those positions because, I mean, there's the issue of getting permits out and making sure they're looked at quickly enough, but then enforcement suffers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think those things have mirrored each other and we've seen it play out at the state level and we know it doesn't work. We um, need to make sure those agencies are adequately funded. Mm-hmm. Um, and IEPA is an agency that can fund itself. Um, it gets uh, fines and fees and permit fees and hasn't relied on general tax dollars. Right. Um, so that's that's been a mirror of the federal government. And that's kind, that's kind of weird, um, strange to say the least, that an organization... Uh, that can fund itself would allow itself its its workforce to be cut in half mm-hmm. uh which means that its output is 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 not going to be you know they're not they're not doing what they should be doing mm-hmm. that yeah that that is uh it's kind of head scratching right <laughs> yeah. um yeah um you had a clear path you know your idea was to you know you wanted to uh, you know, you know, going to law, you mm-hmm. know, originally, but there was always a draw towards uh, environmental issues for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think? Uh, w- w- what's your thought on the state of education as it relates to those types of careers? Just an awareness, um, because it feels like our policymakers uh, at times not not that they are uh, that they have any type of uh, ill intent. But it seems like they reflect what I see as a lack of uh, information, a lack of ed- education, and just being sensitized uh, to environmental issues. Uh, do you think that that's an accurate uh, assessment in general as far as our education is, uh, system is concerned? 
Yeah, I think, you know, in the 90s, there was kind of an uptick in some of the environmental education that was out there. There was a little more funding for it, a little more funding in general. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen a little bit more of a downtick. But when, you know, um, just from the beginning, like in grade schools, if you um, get involved in environmental education, you definitely see that come home. So we, for example, have worked with this organization, Seven Generations Ahead, which is out in Oak Park, and um, they do composting programs with uh, schools. And um, we went to some schools in Albany Park, and um, you know these these kids were just so excited to show us and the uh, state legislators that we brought with mm-hmm. um, how they helped lead the composting program. Mm-hmm. And um, you know they go home and they talk to their parents about recycling and. I think that's really important, but I also worry about, um, you know, I there are programs for college students. I'm really excited about. I'm a graduate of U of I. I'm really excited about their free tuition program. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I, wow, that that one is mind blowing. That's a game changer. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they have a really great environmental science program, environmental studies program. Mm-hmm. What I worry about more in um, when I'm hiring. And young people that want to get into advocacy, I think that colleges should be teaching more about advocacy. And I know they they want to, you know, maybe leave it alone because it feels like it's lobbying. It feels like it's political. But the ability to organize and impact um, social change in your own community or your state is a skill that you can learn and yeah. you can become better at over time. So. I am um, an adjunct professor at U of I in Urbana and um, teach a class. And part of my class, I teach about law and policy, but I also teach about how important it is to understand how to pass that into law because the ideal policy you have means nothing if you can't get it passed. And so um, I think those skills are, you know, when I'm trying to hire somebody, I often, there's people in the environment world, there's people in the political world. I'm not often finding the mix that I need um, when I'm doing my hiring. Mm. Well, you uh, universities, uh, if you're listening, you should be paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a void there. Mm-hmm. Um, w- when it comes to uh, this, so there's there's an overlap, mm-hmm. right? Uh, obviously uh, that exists, but with regard to new people, uh, young people that are that are looking to figure out what's going to be their career their career path. Um, What's the what's the challenge? Um, what's the challenge? Is, is it more like kind of an a la carte type of uh, situation? They say, well, I'm going to need these particular skills, and I'm not getting them all in this one program. Or, or is that it? Is there not a program that provides all of those skills that would uh, equip them to enter into um, advocacy for, for an organization like mm-hmm. um, IEC? Well, I would say in general for advocacy, for example, I think there are very few programs that are out there that prepare students adequately for a career in that. And, you know, like I said, um, you know, Obama was mocked for being a community organizer, but it, it's yeah. something that there's there are jobs for, and it's something that is um, that you can learn. Um, right. I mean, there's people that come in naturally talented, just like any other skill. Um, so I think that's something that is important. Uh, in the environment, you know, there are places, and I, I think it's good to have a strong science or engineering background. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with, with career path, and, and this is what is really hard, I think, um, 
you know, there's such a decline in internships that are available now in everywhere. Mm. You know, um, we try to have, we've got three different interns right now, one from UIC, one from Loyola, and one in Springfield at UIS. Um, and, you know, I, I find that some of that's declining because what was important for me um, in determining what I wanted to do was taking positions and job that, jobs that I didn't want to do. Okay. Um, so I worked a lot in chemistry labs and I was not very good at it. And I also just didn't, you know, washing glass were for the rest of my life, maybe not. Yeah. Um, and I worked for a corporation one summer and just didn't like the culture. Um, and so, you know, that process of trying out things and figuring out what you don't like Mm-hmm. is just as important as figuring out what we do like. And I was very lucky to have those experiences, and I want to make sure that's that's provided to others. Hmm. Okay. Now, when you talked about um, the easy part is to craft a, a policy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's the hard part in that, and in, in getting it to the next level where, where it becomes uh, a, a, a piece of legislation that's actually voted on? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, obviously um, getting it passed in the state legislature can be really problematic and we uh, we do a lot of citizen campaigns where we um, get people to write their lawmakers we um, build relationships with lawmakers and we work on lobbying them um, so it's all about building the power that you need to get something done and sometimes you may have that on your own because you're in the right and you have a lot of constituents Sometimes you have to bring on really powerful partners. You may, uh, on the energy bill we worked on, we worked very heavily with labor um, to get something done. But sometimes we fight with labor. Mm-hmm. So you got to build a very powerful coalition and, and build the power that you need to either bring your opponents on board or steamroll them. Um, right. <laughs> and, and more likely you're going to bring them on board in Springfield because legislators really liked, uh, like a bill that's agreed to. So, um, you know, it can be... Uh, that is definitely the difficult part because there can be bills that we'll put out that just won't move or will take us seven years to get done. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely activists can get really frustrated. And especially if you might be somebody that, um, you know, might be very progressive or very conservative, you have to look at the rest of the state. And there are people of all sorts of political stripes from very super conservative to very super liberal um, all over and so you have to figure out how you're going to move those people on board all right all right well let me ask this because i know we're getting we're getting close yeah um, <laughs> so, um are there any um are there any volunteer opportunities right now that um that iec has so uh if you, our website is islandviro.org and islandviro and we're always and, and we're at islandviro on um twitter and facebook Okay. Um, we're always posting opportunities to contact your legislator, which is, um, you know, something that anybody can do at home. Um, you know, we've got a young professionals board for uh, millennials that are interested in the environment that have a number of different events. But our biggest volunteer events end up being, you know, our lobby day. Okay. Um, but if you're somebody that's more interested in, say, a beach cleanup or doing things in your neighborhood, some of our um, affiliate organizations do more like that. So the Alliance for the Great Lakes, they're a great organization that does a lot of beach cleanups. We just partnered with them to do one at 31st Street Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sierra Club, they're always doing um, organizing campaigns in the local communities. Those are great groups. Um, 
you know, if if you look at, uh, like I said, our website, ilenviro.org, we have a list of our affiliate members, and a lot of them have day-to-day opportunities. Um, we more are directing people to come join us, and, um, you know, right now we're hosting a lot of listening sessions, although not in Chicago, about energy issues okay. um, that, you know, folks can get involved with. But there's just, there's so much to do, and I'm really always happy to have people on board that want to help out. Well, we're definitely going to go ahead and post the link. Great. Uh, post your link on our uh, Facebook page and Twitter. and um, Yeah, it's, it's been really a pleasure talking to you, Jen. Thank you so Thank much you for having much. me. I really appreciate it. Yes. All right, Radio Islam family, uh, that was Jen Walling. She is the executive direct director for the IEC, that's Illinois Environmental Council. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> 